Welcome to Deep Natter. A few episodes back, Sean and I were talking about social media. And he mentioned that Ben Horn, who is a terrific large format landscape photographer I spoke to on Process Driven 41, had left Twitter and Instagram and was instead just focusing on the community he was building on YouTube. I reached out to Ben to see if he'd like to come on the show to talk about why he did it and how it's affected him, both personally and professionally. Here we go. Well, it was funny the way this whole thing came about. We were, as we, we've done these chats around social media for the last couple episodes, and um, it, I think, was it last episode, Sean, or two ago, where you, you mentioned that Ben had left Instagram and Twitter, and I hadn't heard about that. I, I, I didn't know you decided to to uh, take a break or leave permanently. And, and I, I was like, wow, that's kind of amazing. Um, so I just thought it would be fun to, to talk about that decision and, and how it started, how it's going, and maybe where you see it going in the future. Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like that, that meme of, of Homer Simpson just kind of like slowly disappearing into the hedge. Uh, <laughs> right, just backing into the hedge. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of I, I just I just kind of wanted to to disappear a little bit. Um, it, it was actually something that was that was on my mind for a while because, I mean, looking at my phone, I mean, the, the screen time was, was it was like four to five, maybe sometimes six hours a day. Wow, and that's and that's not good. That's that's the really bulk of good. which on social media or what was it? Was it just, other things? Uh, or? Total total screen time. On yeah, my phone. yeah. And there's this thing where if there's ever anything kind of like that, I just have the desire to stamp it out. Um, I mean, I, I gave up caffeine a little while back because I just didn't like the effect that it was having on me. And so I figured if I can, if I can quit caffeine and be fine, you know, social media shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, but it, a lot of it was also just spurred on based on how, uh, the photography community, more specifically the landscape photography community on Twitter, has been very divisive um, with the introduction of NFTs, and it just it changed the dynamics of the community. It changed the motivations, and there's something um, even before I knew how it was really bad for the environment. Um, there was something about it that just raised all kinds of red flags with me. Um, I always like to say that I would be, I'd be the, the worst at like, if someone was trying to get me to buy a timeshare, I'd be the guy that I'd, I'm like, a, I'm like a, like a donkey. I'm, I'm stubborn. Like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I have no desire for that. Even if there's a free gift involved for watching the presentation. Even, even if there's free, free tickets to Disneyland or anything like that, I'm just, I just, I dig in. The more someone kind of pushes at me something, the more I dig in. I'd, I'd be, uh, I would be really tough to recruit for a cult. I'd be, I'd be very bad for that. Um, so challenge accepted. All right, hold on. I've got to cross that off my list now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's this there's something about it just the the language the the culture this very high sense of enthusiasm just it also reminded me a lot of um the the hustle culture on social media on steroids and it's just it's such a negative thing and um and i, I almost I'm, I'm a very um I like to poke fun at things. I have a very snarky sense of humor. 
Um, thus, my the Instagram account I have not disabled, which is Wilderness Influencer, which is kind of pokes fun of modern culture <laughs> stuff. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I, I poke fun of the NFT community a little bit. And man, they, they did not like that. They did not enjoy really? that. Really? Did they all. jump on that immediately? They did. Um, most of the tweets and stuff I had kind of poking fun of it. Uh, it fell on the ears of people who are of like mind and see how there's such a divide in the community. And for those people, I got so many private messages from people saying that they've, they hate to see how things have changed so much and how the motivations have changed, but they're really afraid to say anything about it. And here I am just Mr. Snark, just saying all kinds of stuff. But eventually one of those tweets, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything bad. It was just basically saying how I really hate that I end up having to unfollow photographers I admire or mute them, or in some cases even block them, because all that NFT stuff finds its way into my feed, and I just don't want to see it. It just, it kind mm. of, it creeps me out. Um, and then also, um, and I'm sure another factor of it is the fact that, you know, here I am having worked at eventually going in the direction of doing this full-time. It, it took me basically 10 years to get to the point where I can pay the bills with it. And then just to see someone take a, you know, a JPEG of one of their images and sell it for a few hundred thousand dollars as an NFT, it feels like I'm running in sand, you know, it's, it's not mm -hmm. jealousy. It's just, I, I've always put a lot of effort in hard work paying off in the long run and it does, but I just don't want to surround myself and, and be a witness to seeing what everyone else is doing. I'd rather just follow my own path and do my own thing. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I, I deactivated Twitter. And while I was at it, I uh, deactivated Instagram. I can uh, bring those accounts back online at some point, and I will. Um, but I just, I didn't want to be in that environment. And I figured this would be a good little experiment to see how it is without social media. I got to tell you, it's kind of nice. What have you, what have you learned since being off, do you think? Like, has it, has it changed your view of photography and what you do? Because I suppose part of what you do is sharing what you do with the world at large. And I think a lot of us assume that that's part of the job, but mm -hmm. you've, you've shut down, stepped away and you're feeling better for it. Like what's that experience been like? It, it's, it's kind of weird, but I, I just find that I notice the smaller things in life now when I'm not just constantly buried with my face in my phone. Uh, even just like I was eating breakfast out on the patio this morning, there's a nice little breeze going, the leaves are moving and all that. I'm just noticing these small things that, I would have noticed before. Um, so that's been nice. It's, it's kind of like, there, I think there's times when we, we think to ourselves, oh, you know, the good old days. I wish, you know, the days before phones and this and that. And like I was uh, waiting in line the other day for something and everyone had their phone out. They're all looking at their phone. And I just like, yeah, I don't have to do that. It, it, it was just kind of nice to sit there and just kind of be more observant of things, which is certainly a good thing that we should have as photographers. Um, but I, I do plan on going back at some point, but I'm going to have it more at arm's length, at arm's reach where it's just going to be, um, maybe not arm's reach, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold it further away where it's not going to be something I'm going to reach for all the time. Um, and, and let's be honest, most of the stuff I was sharing on Instagram was mostly just pictures of my dog and our, and our cats and stuff like that. And just like the stories and stuff like that. And I've actually had a lot of people reach out saying, Hey, I miss the cat pictures. I miss the dog pictures. So you, know, <laughs> you can thank the lack of those to the uh, NFT crowd. 
Right. Was there ever any temptation to create for social media? Because it seems like the type of things that you are posting, especially on YouTube, they're ancillary. They're byproducts of you being there to make the photographs that you're, that you're there to make. Was there ever any temptation to, to create specific content? And God, we all know how much I really don't like that word, but yeah. content for Twitter or Instagram specifically? There really isn't. And I, yeah. I think it's just because I'm incredibly stubborn. Um, yeah. I, I just want to do what I want to do. And like when I hear people talking about, you know, the, they're doing things for, for likes or for stuff like that. I've always, I, I never really took that completely seriously. I thought people were just saying that, but they weren't actually doing things for likes and that kind of thing. Like if I, if I'm posting a picture on Instagram, it's just, it's a picture I shot on a previous trip and I, I I don't I never really even really look at the stats other than just out of a, a curiosity if how people you know perceive those images, but I'm never like bummed out if like an image didn't get likes or anything. Um, and when it comes to creating stuff, um, I, I I really I don't create things for Instagram. I don't or Twitter or anything like that. I don't I don't post anything just because I think it's gonna be good. It's normally just some on Twitter in particular some some snarky thing I happen to be you know feeling in the moment, but. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just because I'm stubborn and it's, it's, it's a good thing because it gives a sense of direction. Um, but, but yeah, stubborn can be good. Have you, have you had any thoughts about like, um, I guess a lot of us have this fear that, you know, we have to keep feeding the beast in some way, you know, keep people engaged, keep them looking at the things you're doing, or we kind of slip off into irrelevance somewhere. Um, as someone who's like recently canned a few of these platforms, I'm I'm guessing I'm hoping you haven't really seen that and you realize it doesn't matter as much. Is that is that true? Like how, how have you how have you found that? Is this, I suppose yeah. it's the opposite of FOMO. Like it's like yeah. you think that like if you're you have to be on social media, you're going to miss out on something or people are going to forget about you. Um, but I know you have your life kind of structured slightly differently and you value different things. Tell us why it doesn't matter, Ben. Please. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but there was, um, there was another person who went through something similar where they decided just to, uh, kind of give it up for a while, but they had the fear that they would become less relevant for whatever reason. But, and, and I wish I remember who it was, but they actually found the opposite to be true. They found yeah. that if they take a break from it and they don't post anything for a while, then when they do post something, people pay more attention to it. As opposed to mm -hmm. just constantly feeding the beast. And, you know, there's always talk about the algorithms and stuff like that. And obviously, I don't care about the algorithms. Um, that's why, I, you know, intentionally give my YouTube videos horrible names so people can't find them. Um, <laughs> which is... It, ah, so that's the reason. Yes, yes. There's, there's actually um, every... Maybe about once a year, I do this big secret giveaway where I give away a bunch of equipment I'm just not using anymore. And it, it's good stuff. It's some pretty good stuff. And I intentionally make it the most boring title for YouTube so that the algorithms will absolutely put it at the bottom of the list. And the only people that click on it will be the people that actually follow the content. And it, it actually works That's really, great. really well. That's great. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I just think that, you know, it's so easy to get burnt out by just posting stuff all the time. Um, but I do think that perhaps giving it a break and we'll see what happens, but giving it a break. And then when eventually I start posting some stuff from a trip or whatever, 
um, maybe it'll have the opposite effect and actually um, get a little bit more views on it. Um, not that I care about it, but you know, <laughs> it's just a byproduct mm. of what happens. Oh, that's interesting. You, I mean, I'm kind of on the opposite end of the scale from you because I, I think I post, I post too much. I post every single day, and you can't post a good photograph every single day. That's impossible. No. I don't know a single photographer who can do that. No, I, I kind of made the decision to do it because I wanted it to almost be a teaching tool to show the visual notes and ideas I had during the day that might lead to real photographs later. So I kind of use it like a scrapbook mm -hmm. um, and to show how things develop over time in terms of how you see light. But I've realized that I've kind of, I've kind of set up a trap for myself in that now I've almost set an expectation that I have to keep feeding now. And I resent it. Like I resent yeah. what I've made myself have to do. And I would, I would love to do, and there's no reason I can't, I would, I would love to do what you're doing and take it back to the bare minimum so that I could keep supporting myself as an artist and do what I'm still doing, but give as little of it away online. And like you say, so when that I, when I do, it's special. It's not just like Sean's 4 PM average mediocre picture that he has to post every day, <laughs> you know? So that it makes so much sense. How do you, how do you see like the whole, has this affected how you think about YouTube as well? Like in terms of how much you share with the world and how much you don't? Um, YouTube, I see differently. Um, cause for YouTube, I see it as something different because it's not something that's just looked at briefly, then quickly discarded. Um, in the way that, you know, a post on Instagram or a story on Instagram or a tweet, they're here, then they're gone. Um, with Instagram or with YouTube, it's more so creating something that I think has more lasting power. And I do enjoy that creative process a bit more. Um, and another thing I was, I was thinking about, um, when you were mentioning the, the, uh, you know, posting the, the photos each day, um, I think my, my base philosophy on YouTube is a bit different. I think a lot of people go on there to teach. And I know that a lot of people turn to YouTube to learn things. Um, like for example, during the pandemic, my wife remodeled one of our bathrooms. I mean, she did everything on her own, which is, which is amazing. Uh, you know, tiled things, new concrete countertops, new flooring, everything. And she learned each of those trades based on watching YouTube videos. Um, so it was really good for that. Now, when it's something like tiling, I see that as different than something like photography. Cause if it's a trade, there's typically very much a right way of doing something and then there's a wrong way of doing something with photography as with most things in the arts you know there are some practical things in terms of you know, it's a little better to do something one way than the other but maybe it's because of the path that i've taken you know working with a large format camera which is not a lot of people do that um i find it's it helps me to produce the sort of work that I want, but I'm not going to be willing to say that, you know, someone else has to work with a camera like that in order to produce work that they want. So there's this background thing of my whole philosophy on YouTube has been to show the process of me doing something, show the results, but not tell people how to do things. Just let them watch it and pull from it as they can. And, and it's interesting because people pick up different lessons from that maybe things i'm not even actively trying to teach um, but i think that's been my philosophy on youtube just to show the process show the results 
as opposed to actively teaching. And in that sense, um, I think also the demographic of the people that watch the videos, it's not just the people who are new to photography um, because people can learn at different levels. Um, but I think because of that philosophy of not actively teaching things, I don't necessarily have the pressure of having to come up with things to teach all the time. And so I think that also has an impact on the way I do things on YouTube uh, a little bit differently than on, you know, you know, Instagram or Twitter or stuff like that. Uh, but also, again, it's not going to be something that gets the clicks and gets the views and stuff like that, but I'm a donkey, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what it, what it has created, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's, it seems like it's created a, a community that, that values the exclusivity of being part of your tribe, of being part of your, your circle, your orbit. Mm -hmm. And because you're not saying, okay, I'm going to teach you this this week and next week we're going to look at this and this is what we're going to do the following week. You've, you've changed the level of expectation that your audience comes to you with. They're not necessarily coming to you to learn something, but on the other side of that coin, they know they're going to learn something. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely see that. And, and also I feel like if I'm teaching something, I feel like I'm talking down to a lot of people and mm. I'm also, I'm talking over the head of everyone else. Um, so I, th I think that's, that strategy has worked pretty well for me, but if you want to be popular on YouTube, don't use this technique. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to get you very far. <laughs> Guaranteed. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm writing down these notes, uh, bad titles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no ads. Yes. And, oh, yeah. uh, uh, cr cryptic teaching methods. Yes. So. Yes. It's a formula for success. <laughs> 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 So, so I mean, because you treat like Instagram and Twitter and YouTube all a little differently, like in, in social media in general, like what do you, what do you think, or for you, what's, what's, what's its role like on a higher level, like a, as an artist to share your work with the world? Cause there is obviously the teaching element, but there's also this side where you want to keep making things and attracting at least that core audience who are going to support and sustain you because of, um, what they believe, what they believe in what you're doing and, and how, how are you kind of not feeding the kind of big machine, the big crowd, the big numbers, but you are, a you're making sure that you attract in the mix of all those different platforms, a group that really care about you. Have you got like ideas about how you've gone about that? I, I think a lot of it's the interaction, which obviously is something that's going to, um, to, to go away when I'm not on there right now, but I'll, I'll be back at some point. Um, but I, I do try to interact with, you know, everyone that sends messages and stuff. So I basically use it for, you know, social aspects. Um, I, I think since the fact that I don't shoot many photos each year, I don't have a lot of pressure to post a lot of photos each year. So as a result, I use it more so just for, um, you know, messaging people and stuff like that. And, and, and that's one thing where once I get back to it, I, I think that will be good. And it's, it would be difficult to, uh, to make a living at photography uh, especially when building some degree of community without social media. That's why I know that this isn't mm. going to be a, a permanent thing. Um, and I know that I'll, I'll need to get back to it. Um, but just probably less, less scrolling all day long, I, I think would be, would be a beneficial thing. But I do, I do know that I will need to go back to it. And that's why the accounts are just deactivated. So I can just, you know, uh, just pour a little water on them and just, you know, regenerate them like an old sponge. Have you ever thought about um, creating something for yourself? Because this is something that um, 
I mean, Jeffrey and I have spoken about it. Uh, we've both spoken to Jack Lowe about it. I don't know if you know Jack, who does the wet plate photography of the lifeboat stations around the UK. Um, I have seen his work, yeah. Yeah, he's done something quite interesting. If you, if you could um, create a platform where people could engage with just you and your work, would that, would that be attractive to you? Because you're not trying to play that, that big game on something like YouTube. If you could have that space, which was just you and your community, would that be interesting to you? Um, I, sound like, I sound like I've got this lined up and I'm trying to sell it to you. I'm really yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't like timeshares. Weren't you paying attention yeah, at the beginning? I'll give you some, you know, Disney World, the pictures look really good. Just palm trees and stuff, you know, people yeah, smiling yeah. and playing with beach balls and stuff. Um, but um, I mean, I guess that kind of describes maybe Patreon in a way. Right. Um, I, I, I do think that um, I'm, I'm also, I'm not a huge fan of like paywalls and stuff. Um, so I, I think for the most part, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, I think they can very much be used in that fashion. If you just make sure that they don't, you know, the use of them doesn't get out of hand, which is <clears throat> certainly what I, you know, what my relationship was with them. I think the way Instagram and stuff works, they're, they're just tools, Instagram, Twitter, they're just tools. And, and I think that it's just how we use them. And so I think that they can be used in the way that you mentioned and also be able to, you know, attract the audience of the people that might be interested, might be searching for stuff uh, without, you know, closing it off too much in the way that, you know, uh, like a, a Patreon or something like that would, which I also I have a Patreon, but I never say anything about it. So, you know, kind of goes along with the not promoting things, not, you know, yeah, it's my motto. When you do come back, I wonder when you reactivate these accounts, has the break, how has the break kind of informed what and how you'll share on those platforms? Do you just go back to the way it was before the break or have you, have you kind of taken away something by stepping back that's going to, that's going to change or inform how you do it differently moving forward? So I, I think I'm going to hold out until I come back from my fall trip, um, mm -hmm. which where are you might going? I'm going to head over to Zion National Park. The, ah, beautiful. I go there like several times a year. Um, but I might also do a backpacking trip ahead of that. And on that backpacking trip, I'm, I'm thinking I'm not going to take my camera. I'm just going to go off into the wilderness without a camera. And the reason I mm. mention that is I think it'll be interesting to see the effect of not being addicted to social media into my phone before heading off into the wilderness when inherently there's no social media. In the past, I think that addiction to the phone uh, soured the experience a little bit and I wasn't able to appreciate things as much because I was going through some degree of withdrawals. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, to wait until at least I come back from the trip to, to jump back in a little bit. But I, I think I will probably reduce the following I have, uh, you know, the people I have that I follow through the years. Um, ideally, in some cases, maybe wipe the accounts clean a little bit and then just kind of start over um, and just, you know, add people that are actually uh, interacting a fair amount as the people that I follow. And just to keep things scaled down a bit, uh, keep things a bit more simple and uh, just set more limits in terms of how much to post, how much to view and all that sort of thing, which I think will come a little bit more natural in the same way that I don't reach for a cup of coffee now as, you know, as I did earlier. Um, and I hopefully won't reach for the phone as much, but yeah, just post stuff as necessary, you know, come back from a trip, have some pictures, post those. 
maybe some pictures of my dog on a walk or something, you know, good, good, good stuff like that. Classic stuff we expect on, uh, on the social media. Dude, what, what would you say to people, you know, who are starting out? Cause I think, you know, being on platforms like YouTube, we deal with a lot of people who are just beginning. They've just picked up a camera and they're really excited about becoming a photographer. But I think we can often pick up that they, they use social quote unquote social media success or numbers as a marker that they're doing well or that they're getting good at this thing. Um, like how would you, what would you say to people who are just beginning who to kind of set expectations differently about what this thing actually is and how we can use it instead of pretending that, you know, millions of followers means you're a great photographer. Um, that actually it might just mean you have a cute cat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a cute cat. I have, I have two cats, but I got, I have a, I have a cute cat. So yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think that that's a, that's a difficult thing for people that are just getting into it because there are so many people out there and there's so many viewpoints and so much work that people are sharing that it would be extremely difficult to do anything that's really going to stand out from the crowd. And then if a person does something that stands out from the crowd, it's perhaps for the wrong reason. Um, one, one thing that, um, that I, I mentioned a while back in a little video I did about, you know, transitioning towards doing photography full time is that the path that I took to get to where I am right now, that path doesn't exist anymore. Um, just cause things change so much with time. So in that same sense, like when I, when I first started posting the, the videos and stuff on YouTube, no one else was posting landscape photography videos yet. And I just did it because at the time, that's just kind of what seemed to make sense. So the, if a person is going to make it as whether they're a photographer, artist, designer, whatever it is, they're doing musician, um, it may not be with the current, uh, infrastructure and the current path that people have already taken to get to wherever they want to be. Um, in a way I've said, it's a bit like, you know, sailing over a horizon. You don't necessarily see the destination, but you just keep working at it. And if you work hard enough and if you put your heart and soul into it, you'll eventually get there. But the path that you take may be one that, that you can't, you can't see and doesn't exist at this point in time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily have any, uh, advice for people that are looking to, to get into it other than to just work at it and kind of, uh, you know, put your heart and soul into it. And eventually, you know, doors will open, things will happen, but it, it may not be with Instagram. It may not be with Twitter. It may not be with YouTube. It may not be with TikTok. It's, it's hard to say, but you know, effort goes a long ways. The, the, the reason, uh, one of the reasons that, like I found out about you, you bouncing from Instagram and Twitter actually was sitting with Simon Baxter, who was, uh, mm -hmm. Um, mutual woodland photographer mate. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, because we were talking about how the kind of images he takes, and this is where you came up as well, because it was like, well, obviously Ben's even more so in the same boat. The type of images you both take don't sing on the phone. They're just, yeah. and, and the, the, the overly simplified ones do better on, on a tiny screen on a phone, but that's not mm -hmm. the stuff you do, You guys do really well. You guys do, um, crazy amounts of, of detail and intricacy in your shots and often, um, quite visually rich shots, which, which when mm -hmm. it is a thumbnail on the screen just doesn't process as well. So like, and, and I ask this because like, has there ever been, I think I know the answer. Has there ever been a temptation to, to, to kind of tailor your, your 
images so that it would be better received on phones, for example? And how did you fight off that temptation to go like, no, this is what I'm doing, even if it doesn't translate to the most number of eyeballs on a phone, these sing really well in, in huge prints on a wall. And that's what I'm making work for. I think for me, just how an image appears on Instagram is just a complete afterthought. Um, it's not even something that really, I, I'm more so post things on there out of some degree of an obligation because, oh, it's just new work. So I need to post it on there, but I, I'm, it doesn't in any way affect, you know, the process in the field of shooting an image. Um, because once, once I find some sort of subject that really grabs my attention and then I'm sitting there underneath a dark cloth and, you know, composing the image on the ground glass and you can, you know, reach out and touch the image and everything else. And it, it's a very intimate experience working with that image. And so the only thing I'm thinking about at that point in time is just, you know, how to solve the, the puzzle of shooting that subject the best that I can. And, and there's really nothing else going on, not in terms of, you know, how that image will be on social media, how that one will do. It's strictly of just one image at a time and trying to just best capture that scene. Um, and so, so yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really, for, for me, Instagram and all that is simply just something that happens after the fact, but it has no bearing whatsoever on what I shoot. And, it, and I think if I had an image that did get really popular, I might kind of resent that image because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if you guys have an experience like that as well, but I might be thinking like, oh, this, maybe this one doesn't appeal to me anymore because everyone else like, I, I don't know. There's some, something going on with that. Well, I think I, I've, I've definitely, you know, compared notes with a lot of photographer friends and we, we've, we've all said the same thing. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing is the images that do well online are definitely not the images we like. They're, they're the, the, yeah. the crowd pleaser stuff is often like the, the kind of lower shelf stuff, which we know will do well because we know it works on those kind of platforms. But the stuff we care about, we're working on on the side that social media often doesn't get to see and it doesn't do well on there. It's almost it's almost like here's here's something I can do. But the real work I'm doing kind of gets separated. That's the stuff that hopefully goes into exhibitions or books later that hopefully has so much visual richness in the, in the image and, and you have to get close to it and look around it. Cause there's lots to see in the frame. It wouldn't even translate to something like Instagram. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, the images I prefer that I do end up posting to Instagram don't ever quote, quote unquote, do well. Like they, they always tank because, because they're better images and they don't, they don't feed that quick attention span scrolls that like pulls someone attention. It, it takes a bit more patience to look through. Oh, for sure. And, and I think when people, uh, when an image uh, stands out to someone as they're just, you know, scrolling endlessly through Instagram, it's because for them, that image is some degree of an escape. Um, so maybe they're, they're at work, they're on their phone and they see an image of some other destination and they want to see themselves there. Thus, you know, put people putting like the little person in the picture because the person can say, oh, that's, that could be me standing there. Uh, whereas that isn't necessarily the story that, um, you know, the, the pictures that appeal to us more, it's not, we don't, we're not attracted to them because it's an escape from everyday life. We're attracted to them because there was something about that subject, that moment in time that really spoke to us and that inspired us, not simply because it's just an escape for, 
you know, a person, uh, you know, in an office somewhere that wishes that they were out in the field on some big adventure or something along those lines. Um, so I think that that escape mentality is, is why many of the pictures do so well. That's what, you know, the, the van life stuff on Instagram, um, all that sort of stuff, I think factors into that, that sense of escape that people are really looking for. Is there a set of circumstances where you would not go back to Twitter and Instagram? Could you see yourself just focusing on YouTube or, or figuring out some other way to share what it is that you're doing and not go back to those two platforms? No, I, I, I think it's a necessity. Um, at this point in time, I think it's a necessity. Yeah. Um, I mean, just kind of like we're, what we we're talking about earlier, you know, you know staying relevant to some degree, um, mm -hmm. but also it's, it's a good communication platform in terms of um, like if I'm, if I'm selling a print, I usually have, you know, on Instagram, I'd post like a, maybe a video of it on the printer or, you know, something like that as I'm packaging that up. And I, that would get people thinking, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about me getting a print. Maybe I'll get a print. So, I mean, it does directly lead to, you know, paying the mortgage and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'll definitely be, I'll be back to it. And actually, um, uh, Simon and I were, were chatting a little bit and he was mentioning how, um, he, he holds social media a little bit of a, uh, arm's length, um, just, just because it can have a negative impact. And, uh, and so that's probably more so the philosophy that I'll, I'll be adopting as well, where it's, it's there, it's, it's there for, for business stuff. Um, but I just don't want it to be something that just consumes my time. I can, I can use that time for so many other things, far more productive, like playing, uh, playing with my cats. <laughs> <laughs> right. And how much of it, how much of it is, is about, cause I, you know, talking earlier about responses to comments on NFTs and other things like that, how much of it is about just wanting to step away from something that feels like a, can be quite a negative space and that can affect, um, I know it affects me emotionally. Um, was there any of that decision in there too? Mostly for Twitter. Um, Instagram, yeah. I actually, I didn't, I didn't have too much of a problem with, um, but, but Twitter, it just became so very divided and it just, it was not a, it wasn't a healthy place to be. Um, there, there's three general philosophies I have when it comes to, um, the way I try to leave my life. And one of them actually wrote them down here in case I forget them. Cause I have a tendency to do that. But the first is that we respect most what we work the hardest for. Uh, the second is that there are no shortcuts to long-term growth. And the third is that if you profit at the expense of someone else or something else, you've done wrong. And in that sense, I'll, basically that I think is what was triggering so many red flags on Twitter uh, because people were just trying to find, they're trying to get rich quick for the most part and trying to take those shortcuts and then throwing the environment under the bus. And it was, it would just, it was not a very good environment. And I, and I also think that a lot of people that are heavily partaking in that, they don't realize how damaging it is to the relationships with other photographers who are perhaps afraid to speak out. So in that sense, Twitter, I think was really becoming that sort of negative culture. And then I just kind of axed Instagram while I was at it because I figured let's go without it and see how it is. But none of that, none of that culture really creeped into Instagram, at least uh, in, into the feed that I was doing. Uh, but I'll definitely hold Twitter at, 
at arm's reach because it's it's always known for being so incredibly wholesome and non-divisive as as a whole so you know especially with political stuff so you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting i mean it's uh, i i know that i've been on the bubble for a while too of of dropping away I, i i've just made a a slight tweak i've i've decided to change how I use Instagram and mm-hmm. I've, I've put up 12 black squares and, and then I'm going to put up 12 pieces of work and leave those up and not change anything until I do a new body of work where I can replace those 12 pictures. Mm-hmm. And instead I'm just going to use stories because I, I do get a lot of engagement in terms of connecting with other people. I get a yeah. lot of inspiration. I get a lot of communication and I don't really want to throw that baby out with the bathwater just because I'm, I'm, uh, not using it the way it needs to be used to grow. I think, I think there's other value there that I can get out of it other than that. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a side I, I do miss at the moment. The, uh, some of the interaction and communication and stuff. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons why, why I'll, I'll be back at a certain point. Um, because it's so many things in life, it's all about the, the connections, um, and that, you know, leads to many opportunities and friendships and, and things along those lines. And so I don't, I don't want to throw that aspect away, but I will say it's, it's kind of nice to take a step away from it. And there was, um, uh, another photographer who ended up stepping away from it for about a month. Um, and they had nothing but positive things to say. So that was, that was also something where I'm like, you know, let's see how it goes. And I think it'll be a bit of a, perhaps be some revelations made and, uh, some, some changes made into how it's pursued a little later down the line. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, thank you. I mean, it's, it's really great to hear, you know, we don't get to talk to each other about this kind of stuff. You know, we see the results of it and we see sort of the evidence of it or the aftermath of it, but it's, you know, like Sean and I were talking about uh, a body of work from Alex Soth uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact, and it's without that context, you end up coming to different conclusions or you end up making assumptions that may not actually be true. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I really appreciate getting the chance to, to kind of dive into it a little bit with you and, and see behind the curtain, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, been fun chatting and, and hearing the various perspectives and uh, it's definitely something that we're, we're all affected by in this ever interconnected society. Yeah. Good for you, man. I think, I think it's, I think it's great. It's such a double-edged sword, the whole, internet social media thing because like I, I i also never want to be the guy who just goes you know social media is evil it's too easy and we, yeah. we've got such a gift now in being able to share our work with people on the other side of the world that's that's brand new it's never happened before and being yeah, able to sure. to get like i mean you're a great example of this people who support you online as patrons in small ways that in the aggregate build up to you actually being able to live the life of an artist. That's brand new and what a gift. But again, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's like you're saying, it's, it's, you can't let it drag you down negatively. If it is, it's probably time to cut it or at least take a step back and you can't let it be a measure of how talented you are, how well you're doing as an artist. Cause that's not what it means. But like you say, communicating with those people who care about what you do and want to support you it is a gift as long as it doesn't take over your life or, or, or have you tied to your phone in a way that makes you feel like you're just living your life through screen time indicators. It's, it's not great. Yeah. But I, I think it's oh, great, sure. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. 
yeah, it's 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 it's. I think it'll be a, a nice little experiment, and I'll be it'll be good to be back at some point. Um, but I think it's it's something where a lot can be learned from it. Yeah, and, uh, I'm looking forward to those lessons, whatever whatever those lessons may be. Do you think moving forward, you might almost adopt this as a maybe a quarterly or an annual kind of step away and regroup and then come back? You step away for a month or two weeks or or whatever it is, just as a almost as a form of social media therapy to sort of reset. Dude, that's, that's, that's a really interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually hadn't I hadn't thought about that. It's like a like a sabbatical from social media. Um, that would, that's actually pretty, pretty interesting idea and may very well be something to, to consider. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I like that. I like, I like the way you're thinking there. Well, maybe you build it around one of your annual trips. Cause you had said that, you know, leading up to a trip, you often get that, that sort of anxiety around screen time. Maybe mm -hmm. you build it into, you know, for the, for these first, for these two weeks leading up to this trip. And then for two weeks after this trip. I'm, 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 I'm going dark I'm and then I'll come that back. Idea. <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic idea. The great thing about that as well is, is, is you, your audience knows it's coming every year potentially. So they know Ben goes dark, but he's going dark to make us some amazing stuff to look at. It's good yeah. for your mental health. And then when you come back, you've got a bunch of, a bunch of stories to tell, which is, which is really cool as well. Maybe it's the best of both worlds. And because there's an expectation around it, it's all communicated. So mm -hmm. it's, you know. Everyone gets what the deal is. That's that's definitely a approach I think I'll I'll consider, especially leading up to those backpacking trips. Because man, it's 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 one thing to see like you know a video of a person out in the wilderness, but once you're out there, you realize like okay, this, you know your your mind starts kind of traveling in places you don't really want it to. So I, I think it would I think it would be nice to have that sort of clearing of everything before heading out there. So I I, I definitely definitely do uh, appreciate that insight, and that's that's something I think I will definitely be adopting. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app to get episodes of Deep Natter, Process Driven, and everything else I release all in one feed. If you'd like to support the show and help others find it, you can leave a review or a rating wherever you listen and share it on social media. Connect with Ben on his website at benhorn.com. That's B-E-N-H-O-R-N-E.com or by searching for Ben Horn on YouTube. You can connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or on my website at jeffreysidoris.com. Thanks very much for listening. As always, we appreciate you spending your time with us, and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Mm -hmm.